Meanwhile, I guess they have decided that uh, Vladimir Guerrero Jr. is a bit too much of a nuisance not being in the lineup. And uh, <laughs> they are funny. Yeah. And they are likable. <laughs> and Springer sees the camera. We see you, George. <laughs> I feeling good like I should. Hello and welcome to episode 141 of section 138. I'm your host, Mark Cauley, as always, joined by my co-hosts, Bryson and Jacob. Uh, it doesn't get much better than this series for the Blue Jays, a sweep of the Kansas City Royals right after they return to Toronto, right after they acquire Jose Barrios at the trade deadline. Bryson, how are you? I'm doing great, Mark. It is. Pretty much, I guess, you can't really sum it up any better than what we saw this weekend. I was lucky, lucky enough to go to two games. I went to Friday and Saturday. The buzz was real, and the Jays are currently undefeated at Rogers Center. And undefeated when you see them play. So That is a I fact. I think you got to get more games. <laughs> <laughs> I'm very jealous of you being able to see the games in person at the Rogers Center. It looked like an amazing atmosphere, and I hope to get there some point before the season ends but Jacob how are you I'm the exact same as you guys it's been it's been a buzz I mean the at the end of the day these are just games in the middle of of the summer but it feels like a lot more than that the trade deadline just passed Rogers Center is finally being used it's an exciting time man the Blue Jays just they uh, Royals are not a great team I'm still taking a sweep it's it's amazing and I couldn't be happier yeah in some respects the Jays are very lucky that right after the trade deadline, right after they pick up all this momentum, they play the Royals and Cleveland for three-game series each. So they're very lucky in the fact that they're playing easy teams instead of playing the Red Sox or the Rays or teams like that. They have time to pick up momentum and time to carry that momentum over against easy teams. But at the same time, a series sweep is a series sweep. It's still three wins in the books and... You know, I think they took two of four last time they played the Royals in April. So, hey, like you, you're doing better than you did then. So you can't complain. Um, like we said, the highlight of this series, Jose Barrios comes out in that game on Sunday. Isn't his sharpest at the beginning of the game. He gives up two singles each in the first and the second, but then he locks things down. He ends up going six innings, five hits, zero earned runs, one walk, seven strikeouts, had all his pitches working just fantastic he did exactly what the Blue Jays needed him to do and that's go out throw strikes um be a pitcher who you know every fifth day can be an automatic win and he did that today hopefully he does that down the line um on a scale of one to ten how impressed are you with Barrios's Blue Jay debut I'm gonna say a nine out of ten now it didn't look good at the start I I did watch the recap and the first inning was not very good. Although I will say the one good thing, I think he only had 12 pitches in that inning. So it didn't even really hurt him that much. He was just getting uh, hit hard by the Royals. But overall, it was a, it was a fantastic start. Seven strikeouts, as you mentioned, a walk. Uh, six hits, however, only two hits after his or in his last four innings. And he did exactly what the Blue Jays need. They don't need an ace right now. They have Alec Manoa. They have Robbie Ray. They have Hyunjin Ryu. They just need another solid option, and if he is, you know, you take an ace from Minnesota, you put him in Toronto, 
not saying that he can't be a fourth ace or a third ace, whatever you want to call it, but he doesn't have to be if he if he isn't. But he looked like it, and he was fantastic. He gave the Blue Jays a chance to win, and I know the Royals aren't the greatest. I think they're like 44 and 58 or something like that. They're definitely in the bottom of the standings. They're out of it at this point. But that's still Major League hitters that you had to get out, and they have some good guys like Whit Merrifield, Andrew Benatendi. Like, even if it's not a great team, there still are some good players. And he got him out. He did his job, and his breaking pitches. They, they. I don't even know how you throw that. Like, I saw somebody in one of the comments on the Blue Jays Instagram saying this guy's got gorilla glue on his fingers. Like, it was ridiculous the movement he was getting, but it, it was fantastic. And I think considering the circumstances and how a lot of people were saying the Blue Jays gave up so much for him. He's going to have to be good. And he was good. And I'm extremely happy that he was able to do that and really shut up those, those people that thought it was too high of a return. Yeah, this is exactly what we expected from Jose Barrios. And going back to our deadline talk on Saturday, this is what we said. He's going to come over here and he's going to dominate. He's going to be a main piece of this rotation and he pretty much got right to it at Sunday. Yeah, he, you know, maybe he was a little bit nervous at first. You guys were mentioning a bumpy uh, couple of innings to start, and that was true. But it felt like, and it obviously seemed like, as the start went on, he became more comfortable and he became more dominant. And yeah, Jacob, t- talking about his breaking ball, his curveball was uh, nasty. It was incredible to see the movement on it. And he got nine whiffs on his curveball. So nine people swung and missed at that on 21 swings yesterday. It was a percentage of 43%. And that was his curveball alone. And, you know, we all know as well, coming back to, or going back to his days with the Twins earlier on in the season, pretty much all of 2021, that um, opponents also are just not hitting good against him. 218 uh, batting average, 277 on base percentage, 385 slugging percentage. And he's just been dominant this year. It's been one of the best seasons of his career, as we mentioned as well, going back to our last episode on Saturday. This is what all of us expected from him. And, you know, coming off of his first two shaky outings, or sorry, innings, it's quite possible and I mean, quite realistic that he could be even better than what we saw on Sunday. And that's insane to say that because based on what we saw, it's definitely one of them, a dominant start. And we haven't seen, we've seen it from most people on this rotation or certain people like Robbie Ray, Hunjin Ryu has been up and down this season. So I can't even throw him into this conversation, but other than Robbie Ray, we haven't really seen a consistent um, starter on this team. And maybe Alec Manoa, he's definitely becoming one of them right now. Who's other than a couple shaky outings who has done this. And you're just adding to the list and Jose Barrios, like we said, he's not a Max Scherzer ace. He's definitely just under them. And he's a good part to this first half of the rotation. It makes it deeper. And that is why this trade is something that the Jays needed to do going back to that as well. And he was the one or led the way for them on Sunday and it felt good. He looked good in Blue Jays colors. And, you know, he near the end too, he got pretty excited with that last strikeout. You always want to see that because just going back to, you know, in history, Blue Jays history, because a lot of people are kind of comparing this to 2015 is, you know, it had a kind of the same vibe as when David Price made the start at Rogers Center. The only difference was that was in front of a sold-out stadium, but yesterday was still loud. All weekend was loud, and I am I can pretty much double down on that since I was there for two of those games. But uh, Barrios finishes with six innings, like you guys said, seven strikeouts. That curveball was a highlight for me, and I can't wait to see pretty much what he does the rest of the season. So on a scale of 1 to 10, I would say 9. I was going to say 9 as well. I'll give it a 9.5 because I know that this is something that we all expected from him, and he's only going to get better from what I saw other than those first two innings. I think that 
he can have starts where he is pretty much like that the entire way. And that is why he's going to be a massive addition to this team. And the run to make a playoffs or the run to, you know, go on a, a run to make that wild card spot, it begins now. And this is what you have. You have another, a huge homestand, a long homestand. You had Kansas City for three, you have Cleveland for four, and then you have another important series this upcoming weekend. I don't want to look too far ahead, but you have the Red Sox in town for four as well, including a doubleheader on Saturday. So this is it. And this is the opportunity that the Jays have. They're only three and a half out of a wild card spot. They're in this. And I'm not saying it's going to happen for sure because obviously no one can guarantee that. But, you know, the Jays are going to have to go at it with the Yankees as well now because the Yankees are starting to go on a run. You have Oakland sitting in the second wildcard spot. And, of course, you have Tampa and Boston kind of flip-flopping from that first wildcard spot to leading the AL East right now. So a crucial ad for the Jays. And it kind of just, it only gave me one start to realize, I don't know about you guys, that this is something that they had to do. And it completely doubles down as well that you understand this trade. All right, well, you give it nine and a half. I'm just going to go 10 out of 10. Uh, like, it was exactly what you had to ask for. It, you know, yes, it could have been better if you look at the box score. It could have come out and throw, you know, a complete game shutout or a no-hitter even or something like that. But even though it could be better, it still did exactly what the Blue Jays needed to do. You can't ask for anything better from a guy like that. If he goes out and does that, Every five days, I'm going to be over the moon with this trade, as I already am. So, um, 10 out of 10 for me. And yeah, Bryson, like you mentioned, the Blue Jays need to go on a run now. Um, The Yankees are starting to put things together. They've won three straight since the trade deadline. The Blue Jays now have won four straight, three since the trade deadline. Both these teams are in it. I think what we're seeing now is that Seattle is kind of falling off a little bit. They lost two straight to the Rangers both on walk-off home runs, both hit by the same guy. Um, But yes, I think we're seeing Seattle fall out of it a little bit. It's becoming more of a four-team race between, you know, Red Sox slash Rays, whoever is in second place at the moment in the division right now. It's the Red Sox. They just got swept by the Rays. And then Oakland, New York, and the Blue Jays. Um, It's going to be tight down the line. The Blue Jays have to run the table and, um, you know, hopefully they can take three of four, if not four of four from Cleveland in this upcoming series. But that series against Boston over the weekend is really going to test um, the mettle of this team. It's going to really test how serious the Blue Jays are contending. If you take two of three, yeah, I think you're in it um, at that point. You're showing that, yes, you can compete against winning teams, but if you lose two of three, I think we're going to see some of the same criticisms we saw of the team before the trade deadline that it, you know, loses against teams above 500. It can't hold its weight against good teams. Um, And I think, you know, partly that could be valid if you lose two of three. So uh, hopefully they come out and do that. Thankfully, Jose Brios is going to start one game of that four game set. Um, Originally supposed to be a three game set, but now four games with the doubleheader on Saturday. I think um, Hyunjin Ryu is lined up to start the last game of that series, if I remember correctly. So you really got, you know, all your good guys in that series pitching against the Red Sox, and um, that's going to be appointment viewing. The Blue Jays really got to come out and do as much damage as possible in that series. Um, I think over the last few days, I want to say like the last week or two, since the Blue Jays have really come to Toronto, it seems like this is a new team. Um, and I know we saw like this team having fun before the trade deadline. Like this has always been one of the most fun teams in baseball. One of the most likable teams in baseball. You got the finger (laughs) guns, you got 
Of course, now we have a new home run celebration with the home run jacket. Um, you got all these sorts of hijinks and fun stuff going on in the dugout. But it seems like since the trade deadline, this team, you know, it's only three games. So maybe this is a little bit of an overreaction. But this team is really coming into its own. It seems like Blue Jay fans are realizing that this team is something special. People around baseball are realizing this team is something special. You know, maybe I'm outing myself a little bit here, but I was scrolling on Reddit last night and there was a post about Vladdy being tied up in the dugout. <laughs> and pretty much everyone in the replies was saying the Blue Jays are one of the most fun teams in baseball. Like no one was saying they hated the Blue Jays. Everyone was like, if I had to choose a second team to cheer for, it would be the Blue Jays. And this was coming from like Rays fans, Red Sox fans. Um, it just makes you realize how special this team is and how wonderful this team is and how you know fortunate we are to be able to watch this team and cheer for this team day in and day out. And I think that's something that, yes, hopefully we were cognizant of it before the deadline, but now that this team is who it is now, I think we're just we're so lucky to be in the situation we are now. I don't know if you guys have the same sort of feeling that I got right now, but I'm just having so much fun watching this team day in and day out. It makes it, honestly, I agree with you. And this makes it, I think, even 10 times more fun to watch this team. And I, like, when I watch these games, I watch the recaps, I genuinely die of laughter half the time when I see what's going on. Like, you look at the video of Guerrero and Simeon doing their little jump with Adam Simber or... <laughs> Guerrero copying Romano or, or getting locked up in the dugout, uh, you know, hashtag free Vladdy was uh, not trending, but I, I see it on all in the comments and it's just, it's, it's fun to watch and to, obviously we all like the Blue Jays. We all, you know, Canada loves the Blue Jays, but to see other people also like the Blue Jays just makes it even more entertaining to watch. And one of the things I do notice is you'll, if you look on the, the comments uh, on MLB's Instagram post, when they, when they talk about, to, to Tatis or any other player they usually the comments are saying post this thing or post that other thing that happened but whenever it's a Blue Jay post it's always this is a fun team or this is enjoyable to watch and it shows that they are likable and it's it's fun to, to be a fan of them it's fun to be a genuine fan you know like I'm uh, nothing against bandwagons obviously they still bring in the revenue that longtime fans bring in but to I think to to follow this team to watch the 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 end of the previous group of Blue Jays transition into this one and then have everybody else start to like it it just makes it a little bit more entertaining as as like a longtime fan and I love it honestly to see this and the the players know it like you look at Springer a lot of people people you know they they say their their things on social media on how all oh, Springer the, the the trash can emojis and people talk you know smack everywhere but I don't think anybody on that team really cares they all have their fun the finger guns you know it almost reminds me of the 2015 team where they had that uh I'll put it it's gonna be in the video so if you're seeing it yeah, with the yeah the pot or the the whatever yeah. the sixth thing uh Josh Donaldson did like it, it reminds me of that and it's it's so fun to watch I and the thing is, is this team is primarily going to be the same team next year. Yes, there are a few uncertainties, but this group of guys is going to carry over for quite a few years, and we're we're in for a treat. Like if imagine, I'm not going to say who it is, but imagine somebody hits a walk off home run, game seven of the World Series, and he's finger gunning the crowd a trillion times. Like honestly, that would. <laughs> 
like that looks it looks ridiculously fun and i you know i feel bad for whoever uh, owns those big jugs of gatorade because i feel like those are getting thrown around once this team starts going on a run but it's it's amazing it's it's good to be a likable team you know you, you don't want to be that team that everybody dislikes now i mean i'm a leaf fan so i understand when when the rest of the league the league hates you but to be on the other end of that, I think it definitely is entertaining. And it's a, the Blue Jays are a good team, and they're going to be a good team for a long time. So it couldn't be better, honestly. Mark, you're completely right. And I feel like you would even have more support to that if you were there this weekend. I mean, that game Friday, other I wasn't lucky enough to go see the Bautista bat flip. I was there for the wildcard game with Edwin. Other than that game, I think Friday had to be the most enjoyable time I've ever been to a game. Just because of the vibe, just because of you know the excitement, the buzz, that 15k, you didn't even notice it. You noticed it. It felt like a full building, and yeah, going back to 2019, Jacob, you were talking about it. You know, just the, the you know the rebuild that this team went through, the dark days that there were, and you know if you were to say after going 67 and 95 in 2019, people you know on this team now, 22 months later, like Hunjin Ryu, Robbie Ray, George Springer, Marcus Simeon, Brad Hand. Jose Barrios, like, would you have ever thought that this was going to be something possible 22 months later in 2021? Because I sure as heck didn't. And that is why, you know, we go through the dark days now. We know this team has been exciting since kind of, you know, the end of 2019 to 2020. And the final piece of the puzzle, in my opinion, was them coming back home with this core. And yes, it's different than 2015 in a way because this window is just opening now. It still has so much time to go and so much potential. And it's just crazy to see how type of a, or tight of a group they are. The finger guns, it's funny too because like whenever people get on base, the people at the games are doing the finger guns too, like the fans are. That's why I find it enjoyable. But it's just the vibe here and the excitement. It has brought it to another level, I think. And I think that the fact that they are home, it is also what the team needs, not just for you know the fans to kind of get excited and excited, but this is also massive for the team because we know the story about how you know the experience they've had not being home in terms of Dunedin and Buffalo, not really having that home atmosphere, that home crowd, more like having people in the stadium cheer for the other team, the road team. It's just it's not a good feeling, and you know going to a game and seeing those two games as well, the excitement is real. And the only thing that's missing now is this team to go on a run. And we know that this team has the tools to go on a run. It's not like we're kind of spitballing here or being, you know, wishful thinkers saying that, oh, they got to go on a run and do this and do that. They actually could go on a run. Like, there is the tools here to do that. That is why uh, they went out on the weekend and got people like Jose Barrios, Brad Hand, Joaquin Soria. And even going back months prior, they got Adam Simber. They got Trevor Richards. They add to the bullpen going going back a couple of months now. So they've been lined up to do this for the last few months. They have the tools to do it. All they need to do is actually do it now. And this past weekend was the perfect way to start it off by sweeping the Kansas City Royals. You have four games with Cleveland, and then you have another important four games with Boston, like we mentioned earlier. This is it. And this is all a homestand at Rogers Center. It is crucial for them to come home on July 30th rather than coming home on August 20th. If you, if you guys were to tell me now if they were going to be coming home for sure on August 20th, it may have already been too late by then. This may have been the spark that they need. We know the emotions on Friday. We saw Charlie Montoyo crying. We saw Bo Bichette uh, saying he was holding back tears. We saw, you know, I saw so many people crying. I, I teared up a little bit. 
some people were bawling like a baby beside me because of how, you know, they were home and like just the videos that they had in terms of fans saying, you know, this just isn't a game. This is like more important than that. And I don't, maybe the players don't even realize that at the time, but it was a good way to remind them that, you know, we're here further. We've been supporting them throughout these last, uh, you know, year plus of a season with them not being home. And on top of that, we get to see on Friday, Teoscar Hernandez homer, Bo Bichette homer. On Saturday, we see George Springer go out and hit two home runs. And after that, he pretty much got in a massive ovation the entire way, uh, pretty much the game he put together on Saturday. And then, of course, on Sunday, Marcus Simeon hits his first home run at, Tro- at Rogers Center. Santiago Espinal hits a home run. You know, so people hating on Espinal going a few months back, saying he didn't hit a home run out of a big league park. That should shut up the haters pretty quick. So there you go. And now kind of all what we're, we're waiting for is Vladimir Guerrero Jr. to hit a home run. But on Sunday, he got his first day off. And we all know that he didn't really know how to handle it. <laughs> he was kind of going everywhere. And the Jays decided to tie him up in the dugout. But yeah, that just goes to Mark's point as well. Is that this is such a likable team no matter who you are. I think that they get a lot of laugh and a lot of you know recognition throughout the entire league. And it feels like... They get a lot more than what they did from other people in 2015 as well. Obviously, you know, the it was special, the 2015 run. But in terms of, like, support from fans or, you know, just people from across baseball, not just the Blue Jays fan base, I feel like this is one of the most enjoyable teams or likable teams in a long time. And, of course, the new home run tradition as well with the coat, the, the blazer of uh, countries of where all the Jays are from. It's a tradition. And ever since they've introduced it, really, it's been... Uh, great because they keep winning games so whatever whatever the heck helps them because they this is important for them here the next couple of weeks to go on a run uh, let me just mention real quick uh, about going on a run it is entirely possible when I look at the schedule for them to make a massive dent in the wildcard standings the AL East is probably not realistic that you know they're in fourth right now and there's like you're not going to beat out the Red Sox and the Rays it's not possible the way I see it. However, you have, as you said, four games with Cleveland, four with the Red Sox, but the rest of the schedule, you hardly actually see the AL East. It's the Angels, the Mariners, Nationals, you got Detroit. I mean, there's a big series with the White Sox uh, towards the end of uh, of August, but then you see Oakland. I mean, that's an important series, but then you get Baltimore for quite a few series, Minnesota, you're seeing and they finished the season actually with a three-game set against the Orioles so you have if you're the Blue Jays you've just returned home you got some very very good reinforcements you have the you have the possibility to win the vast majority of your next of the rest of your season maybe they make it to the wild card spot I think it's entirely possible when I look at this schedule it's that's all I really wanted to say I think it definitely could happen and I don't see why it couldn't. Honestly, you you're a re-energized group. You're finally playing at home. You got a couple home stands. It this I think could top the end of the 2015 season, just considering everything that went on. Wow. I know Russell Martin called that team a juggernaut towards the end of of August, if I remember correctly. There was an article where he just he w- just went off with with the praises. But I, this team, I think, has the possibility to. Outdo that, honestly. Maybe they only make the wild card spot. Maybe they, whatever. But I think this, the way this season is shaping up to end, it honestly could be one of the greatest things in recent Toronto sports history. Wow, true words from Jacob. Mic drop. Uh, yeah, I mean we've talked about the uh, difficulty of the schedule all year, 
um, as something that hurt the Blue Jays in the first half is going to help them in the second half. Uh, I think we're starting to see that, and hopefully we'll continue to see it down the line. Uh, Jacob, you mentioned bandwagons at one point, uh-oh, uh-oh. and <laughs> I got no, no. This is all I love them. Like I, <laughs> I'm very excited for people to come on board. Like the Blue Jays are a team that's going to be great for years and years to come. They're a team that you can root for on the field with all the players they got. You know, they don't have anyone who you're kind of like. Uh, not a big fan of them. I think, like, not to, you know, say anything negative about the 2015 but team, but I think going back to then, you know, I don't know the val- the validity of it, but we have heard some things about, you know, what was going on in the clubhouse and some things apparently Josh Donaldson wasn't the greatest of influences in the clubhouse and there was some stuff going on, I think, with Dalton Pompey who has said some stuff publicly about what was going on in the clubhouse at that point. Um, again, not to take anything away from that team, but I'm just saying this team, like you can root for every single person on the field. You go to the front office, you can root for the front office. They have rarely made a single mistake. If they do, it's an honest mistake. You can root for the front office. You can root for the fan base, right? The fan base, I think, you know, as much as we can complain about people being bandwagons and jumping on the bandwagon when the Blue Jays are winning and disappearing when they're losing... I think the Blue Jays fan base is one of the biggest and best fan bases in baseball when the Blue Jays are winning. So anyone who's not a fan of the Blue Jays, come on board. Like, join the party. It's so much fun. It's going to be so much fun for a few years. Um, And I'm just so happy to see the Blue Jays get this appreciation across the league. And, you know, as much as we make comparisons to 2015, I think, like Bryson said, this team is so much different. Like, yes, you get that impact arm at the deadline. Yes, you're just a few games above 500, or in the case of 2015, 50 and 51. But at the same time, like this team, I think is a lot better than the 2015 team was before the deadline. Like we had a run differential above 100. Like it's this team has gotten unlucky, so I think we underestimate them a little bit. But once they start clicking, once they stop losing those one-run games, um, I, I mean, look out. Uh, that's all I gotta say. And and hopefully it continues. Hopefully the Yankees don't get too hot ahead of them. Um, because of course that could put a damper on things. Um, but I mean, it's just, it's so exciting to be a Blue Jay fan right now. You gotta, you gotta be happy about where the team is right now. Um, I want to talk about Charlie Montoyo. I put a post up about this last night. Um, just kind of, you know, late night thoughts, but I was watching season two of Ted Lasso. Um, I don't know if either of you guys have watched. I've I've never heard of that. I'm going to be honest. Wow. What? I I watch Family Guy. Um, That's it, honestly. (laughs) (laughs) Well, uh, to catch you up, Jacob, it's an amazing show. It came out last year. Season one came out last year, and season one was nominated for 20 Emmys. So I don't know where you've been, Jacob. But uh, anyways, it's about this coach. And anyone listening who doesn't know what it's about, it's about this American football coach like American football um who comes over to England and is coaching a football uh you know English football soccer our soccer team um and he knows nothing about soccer but he goes out and you know he has this positive attitude and um turns the team around from being you know subject to relegation to maybe not being subject to relegation I don't want to spoil it for anyone anyways I was watching season two last night the first two episodes of season two and I, I ju- it just reminds me of Charlie Montoyo. Like, we always talk about how Charlie Montoyo is always someone who's so positive. 
um, and, you know, always sees the world in a positive lens and, you know, hearing about him staying in the clubhouse until 8 p.m. on Sunday or Saturday, um, waiting for Jose Barrios to arrive and, you know, playing his bongos <laughs> in his office and just waiting to welcome Jose Barrios and Joaquim Soria. It just reminds me of Ted Lasso and the positivity. Um, and I think we have to give some credit to Charlie Montoyo for the team we're seeing right now. Um, through all the thick and thin of the early seasons, you know, the six-game losing streaks, um, all those blown games out of the bullpen, whether you blame Charlie Montoyo or not, um, this team has stayed together. Um, and I think the amount of fun we're seeing this team have, some credit has to go to Charlie Montoyo for keeping this team loose, creating such a good culture in the clubhouse, um, having this team be so close. Uh, there's a leader at the forefront of that, and that's Charlie Montoyo. So I think um, as much as we can criticize what he does on the field, and you know we definitely will and we definitely have, um, I think his talent at building a clubhouse, building strong relationships, and building a team behind the scenes, um, to me it's just unmatched. And yes, this was inspired by Ted Lasso, but I think it's definitely an appreciation um, that we should put on the record because he deserved it. Montoyo, I think, is probably one of the better managers in terms of keeping a team together and like look at it he's I think he's having as much fun as the players if not even more and like the thing yes he makes ill-advised decisions on the field go back to last season there were some that you can criticize or some you can criticize this season but I don't blame him for everything like the bullpen issues like when Tyler Chatwood is one of your best options and then he jumps off a cliff and is doing the exact opposite there's only so much he can do when you know, when literally, I think a couple of months ago, I I calculated that like half of the relievers were injured or half of the people on the official roster were injured. There's only so much he can do. And I don't think that he deserves the criticism or at least all the criticism. But aside from that, he he's so fun to watch and, and he cares. Like when we, you know, when we do criticize him, I do feel a little bad because it, it this team is his baby. You know what I mean? I guess maybe that's the best comparison. Like he... He truly, I think, wants to be here and wants to wants to win with this team. It's it's like you see, you know, Bo Bichette was holding back tears. I, I think Charlie Montoyo was probably one more video away from just bawling his eyes out. I know I was. I mean, I, I'll admit it right here. I had like a whole box of tissues beside me, and I don't even know why I was. Like I keep saying to myself, it's like it's a baseball game. Like uh, get a grip here. But you can tell that this guy cares and. I don't think the Blue Jays could have any other manager, honestly. I think John Gibbons was a great manager. Once he left, I think anybody else probably wouldn't have done as good a job bringing this team together. And I think this is a couple years in the making. You know, he was here for the the I don't know how to describe 2019. Like it was a a rebuild slash guys coming up to the majors for the first time, but the team wasn't very good. 2020 pandemic hits team doesn't know where they're going to play. They play a 60-game season in their AAA home. Same thing to start this season. And they all, they still look like they're having fun. Even when they were losing six straight, the next day they were still running on the field as if they had won six straight. And I think a lot of that has to do with the fact that not only do the players really enjoy each other's company, but you have somebody that that's lassoing them all together that also enjoys them. And he works well with them. I, th I think he, he truly... Charlie Montoyo is going to be probably one of the best managers in Blue Jays history 
once it's all said and done. I, I still think that there is. Yeah, I see your your no pun intended there, Ted Lasso. I didn't even think of that, but yeah, for those, <laughs> for those who are watching this episode, Jacob said Ted lassoing <laughs> them together. Ted mm-hmm. lassoing them. Together. That's yeah, that's funny. But point is, is I think that Charlie Montoyo is he's a good manager. Not only does he makes yes, there are things that he needs to work on, but overall, he knows how to manage a team and he knows how to keep them together. And I think that's probably as good as it gets. It definitely is. And going back to it, yes, he was crying on Friday. He said it after. And I, I, wa- I just want to say, too, is like the fact that he did wait at the ballpark for Jose Barrios, like that's pretty, pretty cool. And I know that, you know, he explained his instruments as well. I think that was one of the first things he did when they kind of got back to Toronto uh, late Thursday night or early Friday morning. So, you know what? he He's a very popular figure in that clubhouse. And, you know, for those of you who don't, you know, appreciate or criticize pretty much everything he does. Like, I just, I feel bad because most of the situations we were talking about, and we have criticized him, I would say not a lot this year, a few times. Obviously, we've talked a lot about questionable decision-making where we've kind of backed him up on it. But what I'm trying to say is he's gotten, like, a lot of hatred from, like, a lot of people. And, you know, from us, we've done it. I think there was only a few times this year where we've actually blamed him for something. But for most of it, like... He is kind of just the scapegoat of people blaming somebody and finding someone to blame. Oh, we're going to blame Charlie Montoya because Tyler Chatwood blew the game. Well, like Jacob mentioned, who else do you want to go in? And that was the situation at the start of the season. And it slowly got better and better as the Jays acquired Adam Simber and they started acquiring other relievers. So, you know, you hopefully like the criticism stops um, and then, you know, just... I don't know. I just I feel like it's unnecessary at this point as well, unless obviously something completely changes. But obviously, I'm not gonna you know hope that happens or kind of think of it gonna that that's gonna happen. But he's a very good clubhouse. Uh, he's a very good clubhouse guy with the players, and that is part of the reason why he was brought in. We know going back to the last manager and John Gibbons. Uh, John Gibbons was kind of somebody who just kind of let the players do whatever they want. But it was also an older team. I think it was one of the oldest teams in baseball at some point. And with a young team coming up with a new core, with a pretty much a new transition to a, a new era of Blue Jays baseball, they brought in somebody as well who can, you know, kind of be there for the players, mentor the players. And that was part of the purposes of why Charlie Montoya was brought in. So, you know, we all know it's a tight group. And I don't know if you guys saw it too on Alec Manoa's uh, Instagram story of uh, Brios last night, you know, kind of, I don't know, I was like, as much as I was, um, you know, happy of what was going on and look, looking at the video, you can see, like, in the background behind Barrios and everything, you can see, like, the lights going off. And even if you look behind Barrios sitting in his chair, you can see Vladdy and Bo kind of dancing. So, you know, that, that kind of gives you an idea of kind of what the atmosphere is like in a, with a win after a game. And, you know, stuff like that. It just makes you know, it does, it just makes you smile. It doesn't even make you do anything else. And that is why, you know, I have... I I appreciate the person that Charlie Montoyo is, and that's why it really was really cool to see how he was crying on Friday, how he stayed for Barrios on Saturday, how he you know just everything he does to keep this group together. So you hope that people can somewhat back off a bit, like I said, unless anything drastic changes. But I'm not gonna assume that's gonna happen, and I just hope that you know people kind of understand, even going back to months. But when you were blaming him, you know, is it really something to blame Charlie Montoyo for? So in in it's just sometimes he just finds himself in a tough situation where I guess he really has no escape because people are going to blame him for this, blame him for that. But, you know, just to appreciate the commitment he has, the love for this city, the love for this country, the love for this organization, 
Like it's pretty cool to have somebody who's on board as Charlie Montoyo is. So that is why um, I got nothing but respect for Charlie Montoyo, and I love how he plays uh, the bongos before the game. But it's just um, it's it's a really cool atmosphere, and that you know throughout this first weekend, it kind of gave you an idea or kind of gave you a um, a good indication of who he really is as a person, be, you know, other than being a manager, because that's really all we know him for. And I think that he deserves more appreciation for the person he is, the leader he is, and just how he cares for all these players. And, you know, another prime example is waiting for Jose Barrios and Joaquin Soria to arrive at Rogers Center on a Saturday night. And he waited there throughout the entire, you know, completely after the game and was there for them when they got there, which is really, really impressive and really cool. One last thing. Notice how as the the team is getting reinforcements and the bullpen is not just absolutely terrible, the criticism has kind of stopped. Like I, I think he's been a scapegoat on, and I it sort of stopped. I don't know. I think he is a scapegoat, and I disagree with that. Like if he makes a bad decision, okay, whatever. But I think a lot of people just want answers and they make dumb claims. Honestly, I but I I do think that. As the team is getting better, I'm starting to notice a little less criticism. Now, either that's because I turned off Twitter notifications or because there actually is less. But either way, I think he's a good manager and it's finally showing now that the team is is able to back him up. Yeah, I was going to say the exact same thing. I don't <laughs> think it's a coincidence that as soon as they get bullpen help in the form of Adam Simber, Trevor Richards, um, I mean, maybe you can toss Jacob Bards in there, but Joaquin Soria, all these guys... Um, the Blue Jays stopped blowing games out of the bullpen. Like, it's not a coincidence. It's just Charlie Montoyo had to rely on guys who were not great out of the bullpen. And, you know, on him staying for Jose Brios, we heard that Vladimir Guerrero Jr., I don't know if he actually ended up staying, but he wanted to stay to greet the new guys. And I think that just shows, like, what Charlie Montoyo does and his attitude and personality and love for the team and the people on it, it's wearing off on the other guys, obviously. And, um, you know, it... I've said this a million times, but it's just awesome to see. Um, and it's so awesome to cheer for this team. Um, okay, the last thing I want to mention, I don't know if you guys have anything to add after this, but Bryson, at one point you mentioned, you know, whether the players really understand what this means to all of us for them to come back to Toronto and, you know, be as good as they are and bring this kind of energy and life to the city. I think they do. I, I don't know if you guys had the chance to read Bo Bouchette's Player Tribune um, article, which was fantastic. So if anyone hasn't had the chance to read it, go and read it. But he says, like, first off, he says some awesome things about the Blue Jays. He said, like, when, even before he was drafted in high school, he would watch that video of the bat flip. Like, every few months, just go back to it for the energy and the awesomeness of that moment because it was so awesome to watch. Even before he was a Blue Jay fan or before he was a Blue Jay, he would go back and watch that moment. But he said, like, I love the Rogers Center. Um, anyone else who says it's not a great stadium can basically what he says in no uncertain terms is they can suck it. Um, <laughs> it's a great stadium. Uh, it goes on to say that, you know, I don't know if, um, baseball can really do this to a city, but we're hoping that coming back to Toronto, uh, will, you know, help alleviate some of the pain of the pandemic, you know, help people, come back to life and, you know, bring back some of the joy to the city that has been gone through the pandemic. And I really think he and other Blue Jays understand what this means to Blue Jay fans. And, you know, I wrote this on Instagram and it gets me kind of emotional, but I think at some point as baseball fans, like we don't know whether 
the players actually like reciprocate our love for the game. Like we put so much energy and time and yes, money into the team and the players and, you know, supporting our team. I think sometimes it's hard to tell whether the players on the team and the team itself actually realize that and whether, you know, they're enjoying the game and enjoying what they're doing and enjoying giving back to the fans or they're just doing it because of a paycheck. And I think what we've seen over the past week is that they're doing it because of the love for the game and the love for the fans and the appreciation. Um, it's m about more than just a paycheck for them right now. It's, um, it's about so much more. And that's why, like I said, this entire podcast and this entire week, it's just put a smile on my face because seeing the Blue Jays do these things um, and see that appre appreciation that we give them reciprocated, um, it's, just, it's just awesome to see. Well, considering there were 15,000 people in the building or, that are allowed in the building right now, that includes every, like all the staff and everything. So there's actually only about 13,500 fans there. And when those 13,500 fans sound louder than a sold out crowd, I think that's emanating to the players, honestly. And it, it looks amazing. And I mean, like considering that this team, they had no fans really in Dunedin, bit of fans in Buffalo, now to come home and see this, and for, for for a lot of these guys, like only half the team has actually played in the Rogers Center going into the homestand as a Blue Jay, but for the half that did play, they saw what this team can do. You know, you look at Ryan Barucki, he was there even when, right before the team started to fall apart, or not fall apart, but rebuild and whatnot, and these guys, I think they do like it, and Adam Simber, he's been here for two months or something, and he had more energy than probably anybody that I've ever seen uh, in recent memory. And I think that shows that even the new guys, like the older guys, older guys, Vladimir Guerrero Jr. is like three years older than me, that's, which is funny. But the guys that have been on the team for a lot longer, they love it here. But even the new guys, I think they're loving it. And I think part of that is because of how close they are. Like they're, as a team, they're close. But then you realize that, hey, these fans are just as close to us as, as players are. And it's definitely amazing. And I do hope that, some of this wears off. You know, you talk about how Toronto in both Major League Baseball and the NBA, it's hard to bring guys over because it's the only Canadian team and whatnot. But when you see how much these fans actually care, maybe it's motivation to stay and maybe it's motivation or the added motivation to the fact that, hey, this team is actually pretty darn good and it's expected to be good. And you talk about Jose Barrios, the before his first start, Jamie, I think it was Jamie Campbell mentioned that he has a year and a half to fall in love with the city. And I think he's already fallen in love considering how energetic he was after that bases loaded jam that he got out of. And maybe this is motivation for other guys to stay. Robbie Ray, Marcus Simeon, they're free agents at the end of the season. I think they already love the team. Robbie Ray is actually starting today against the soon to be Cleveland guardians, which by the way, I love that new logo. Uh, hopefully that's motivation. You know, you look at, how the fans re re uh, react to them. I think these fans love them. Hopefully the players can see it. I think they do. And it's just all we need now is these guys to say, Hey, I want to play for these guys because they they'll, they'll support me no matter what. Yeah. And you know, coming here, if you're, you're saying how it's, you know, trouble for players to come here and it's hard to attract free agents, blah, blah, blah. On top of that, you get to play for, or you get to play with Vladimir Guerrero Jr. Bo Bichette, Teoscar Hernandez. Like we, George Springer, we know this, right? So, you know, all of this is getting better and better by the minute. But yeah, that Players' Tribune article was really uh, cool to read and, um, you know, for that and going, that's what Mark introduced. But yeah, it's just, you know, seeing 
the commitment and the joy and like how these guys are all in like for Toronto. Like it's very cool to see. And at such a young age, um, it's really, it's just cool to see how they're all committed and what I'm trying to say. And they're, they're in on this. They're here for the long run by the sounds of it. And, you know, they have to do everything they can to keep everyone together like this and just keep such a likable team in the clubhouse. And that's why, you know, for the first time, I think this year for almost 45 minutes now, all we've been doing is just been praising them. And it's just been, it's very different because we've been all year, we've been kind of, you know, talking about bullpen issues, you know, the inconsistency we've had. And it's finally good to kind of sit back today and kind of talk about just everything in a good positive manner. So that's why I'm happy that, and it's definitely a little bit strange for us to do that. (laughs) We just haven't had the opportunity or, you know, enough winnable games or a winning streak and so on to do that. So this is the, the time we got, we were able to do it. We know that the Jays are poised for a run, hopefully. You know, we have players like, you know, Bobichette doing that. Vladimir Guerrero Jr. excited to be back. George Springer embracing Toronto, you know, hitting two home runs on Saturday. And I don't know if you guys saw, but, well, actually, you probably did. But I didn't see it at first until, obviously, after the game because I was there. Was You know, Mark Shapiro was on the telecast when George Springer hit the home run. And he was just, I remember watching the video of how he kind of froze and he was just like, wow. Like, it was just, it's cool to see all this go, going down. There were so much cool stories throughout the entire weekend where you can look back on it. It's cool to be back at a, a baseball game because, obviously, in Canada, we haven't really been able to go to any sort of live event in pretty much until a couple of days ago. It's starting to come back to normal now. You know, and people complaining about overpriced hot dogs and pizzas in line is something that I missed. It's just a sign of normalcy, like you are mentioning, Mark. You know, them being back relieves <laughs> the pain of the pandemic, so... You know, that's what I witnessed too, is just being behind people in line, complaining about prices. I'm like, yeah, the, it, like it's back to normal. And in a way, we're getting we're getting there. So that's why that's what I missed as well. And of course, watching actual baseball, that was my first game in two years, um, a, few, a few days ago. But for Bo Bichette, Vladimir Guerrero Jr., all these guys being happy to be back, Teoscar Hernandez as well. You know, people like Hunjin Ryu, who's never been here either, and he's going to be starting on Tuesday. You know, Robbie Ray finally gets to start here. We still have a few guys that still haven't played a game here. And that is obviously Robbie Ray and Hunjin Ryu. So you hope that they embrace it. And you hope that, you know, this good chemistry and this good energy, especially coming back home, spreads throughout the entire team. And this past weekend, it's, it definitely did that in a good way. And it, now all we need now is this to kind of maintain itself. And this would definitely poise them for a run. And the Jays have the opportunity to do this. 60 games remaining, less than 60 now. And, you know, we all know the numbers. They're going to probably need to win around 35, 40 games to get in. And 17 out of those, you know, less than 60 games are against teams currently holding a playoff spot. So you have a better chance or you have a lot of non-playoff teams these next few months. You can make up for the tough schedule to start the year, especially starting the year without a home. This is it for them. The, The cards are lined up in their favor. And now you hope that they can produce from this and, you know, just spread the entire energy around with them. All right. Well... Hopefully the good vibes and good times keep going. Who knows? You know, today at three could all go downhill. <laughs> uh, we will see. But at the very least, it's been a special weekend to be a Blue Jay fan. Um, you can support our podcast on Patreon. That's patreon.com slash section138pod. You can follow us on social media at section138pod. We're on Twitter and Instagram to make sure you never miss an episode or anything we're doing on this podcast. You can support us. Also, by rating and, rating and reviewing us on Apple Podcasts, which just helps spread the word about what we're doing and helps other fans find our podcast. And then, lastly, you can watch these episodes on YouTube if you prefer to consume your 
content that way. So thanks to everyone who listened to this episode. Um, Certainly one of the most exciting times to be a Blue Jay fan. You can't ask for anything better, and we are hoping for a very good series against Cleveland, and we'll be back at the end of that series to recap it. So we'll catch you then. Sunshine on my Sunday best. Hey, feeling good like I should.